Hello, everybody. Welcome back to True Crimes Untold. I'm your podcast host, Jessica Rodenz. This next episode is on Jennifer Dougherty and the malicious men and women who took her life, known as the Greensburg Six. getting an exclusive look inside the apartment where Jennifer Dougherty was tortured and killed. Driver was forced to park his truck in the lot outside Greensburg Salem Middle School. When he went to move it, he discovered a trash can shoved underneath it and to his horror, a body inside. Case in her 25 years in law was the worst she'd ever seen. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me. Hope you guys had a good weekend. So this next case is a local case. Local for me is Greensburg, Pennsylvania. It's the murder of Jennifer Dougherty. I remember when this happened uh, back in 2010. I was actually dating one of uh, Jennifer's cousins at the time. So it definitely hit really home for us. And it's just such a sad, horrific case. Let's get into it. So Jennifer was born November 8th, 1979 in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Her parents were Richard Dougherty and Denise Murphy. Jennifer was a 30-year-old mentally disabled woman, and I read a lot of articles that said that she had the capacity of a child. She enjoyed helping take care of her sister's children and working on vehicles with her uncle. She was a big fan of scary movies, which I get that. Definitely my favorite type of movie as well. She loved college football and wrestling, so she had a lot of interests. Jennifer aspired to live on her own, belong to a community, to have a job, get married, and have children. So a lot of the same aspirations that any of us have as we start to get older. At age 30, she attended a trade school for mechanics, and she started to make uh, preparations to move into her own apartment. Jennifer struggled with social skills and judgment. She trusted everybody. She believed everyone was good and no one would hurt her, said Joy Burkholder, which was her sister. The struggling with social skills and judgment, I, I feel like we all struggle with those types of things. The world that we live in, it's hard to, you know, grasp, you know, get a good hold on, like judging everything. I mean, literally your life is about judgment. Should you do this? Shouldn't you do this? Is this person a good person or not? You know, it it is really hard. The last messages that Jennifer ever posted to her MySpace and Twitter accounts were, this is my time to make a new start for myself and making new friends and not being afraid of anything. Her mother said Jennifer was very easygoing. She was sweet-natured, kind, loving, trusting. She made friends easily and she loved to dance and she loved to sing. Jennifer had recently told her family that she made a group of new friends in Greensburg. I read somewhere that I think somebody in her family said that Jennifer kept her Greensburg life kind of secretive. 
Uh, not really sure why. Obviously, maybe they weren't either. According to her stepfather, she would travel on her own by bus from her home in Mount Pleasant to Greensburg, which was about 10 miles away from each other. She would go to Greensburg a lot for dental appointments, counseling appointments, and it was when she was there um, that she met her new group of friends at a community center. On the 10th of February, 2010, Jennifer told her mother and stepfather that she was going to her friends for a sleepover. The morning of the trip, Jennifer wrote a letter on the back of an envelope with the friend's contact information, along with, I hope that you will have a good day at work, and I also love you very much. I will talk to you sometime later. Jennifer's stepfather, Bobby Murphy, dropped her off at the bus station, she kissed him on the cheek, and they said goodbye to each other. Just another normal day, another normal thing that they did a lot frequently. So he definitely didn't think anything was out of the ordinary. They had no reason to worry maybe more than they already did. Um, it was the last time that her mother or her stepfather would ever see her alive. My biggest regret was forcing Jennifer to act as an adult, said Denise. Jennifer was on her way to Peggy Darlene Miller's apartment. Also at Peggy's apartment were some more of Jennifer's so-called friends. Robert Masters, Ricky Smearns, Melvin Knight, Amber Mettinger, and Angela Marinucci. I'm sure if you're from around here, you know, starting to hear some of these names, it, it might be coming to you what happened to this poor girl. Jennifer had actually known Angela Marinucci for years, and they frequently chatted on the phone. So she's thinking she's just going to meet more of Angela's friends, and they're about to all become friends. Once Jennifer entered that apartment, things took a ghastly turn. For the next 36 hours, they would torture her while she pleaded to be let go. Now, before I get into what happened in the apartment, I'm going to just go through the perpetrators here, give you a little bit of information on them. Amber Mettinger met Melvin Knight at a homeless shelter in Washington in January 2010. They moved to several locations before settling in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, where they met Jennifer Doherty. Knight actually met Ricky Schmierns, uh previously in prison, uh, so now they're getting ready to link back up. Melvin Knight was born October 27, 1989. He was born to a drug-addicted father who was in prison during the early years of his life. He developed lifelong learning and social problems after he fell out of a moving vehicle and hit his head at age 5. Angela Marinucci was born July 4, 1992. According to testimony by her mother and half-sister, she suffered a head injury when she was hit by a truck in 2008 at the age of 15. The injury substantially altered her behavior and pushed her into a downward spiral that ended with Doherty's death, according to the defense. Two mental experts testified that Marinucci, as a child, suffered from depression and that she may have had a drug and alcohol problem as a teenager. Amber Mettinger. She was born January 12, 1990. 
She told jurors that Jennifer trusted her because they knew each other from West Place, which was a center for people with special needs. Mettinger testified that she and then-boyfriend and co-defendant Melvin Knight met Ricky Smearns on February 8, 2010, after she and Knight had been staying at a Greensburg-area hotel. Mettinger was pregnant with Knight's child at the time when the trio met up. Ricky Smearns offered to let them stay at his apartment at 428 North Pennsylvania Avenue in Greensburg. Ricky Smearns was born March 6, 1986. He was born to a drug-addicted Philadelphia sex worker and a Pittsburgh gang member. He was moved in and out of foster homes as a young child and was treated for mental health disorders as early as, as age four. He suffered abuse and neglect until he was taken in by the Smearns family in North Huntington at age 10, according to a testimony um, by psychologist, oh my gosh, <laughs> sorry, obviously I can't uh, talk today, psychologist Alice Applegate. His lawyer, Terry Faze, told the jury that Smearns suffered sexual and physical abuse from his father and his uncle. She also explained how he had undergone 103 therapy sessions by age 10. That is so sad. You can always feel bad for the child, you know, going through these things. You you just, you can't feel bad for the adult who grows up and turns into a monster and does, commits horrific crimes. But Reading these things when, when these people were all children, the things that they went through, it, it really is sad. He had also tried beer, cocaine, heroin, and marijuana by age six, and he had been diagnosed with PTSD at age eight. He was also diagnosed as having as many as seven different personalities and 15 total psychiatric issues. In 1997, he burglarized his neighbor's home, and then that same year, he sexually assaulted a woman in her basement. So the next two, Peggy Miller and Robert Masters, I could not find anything about them. I mean, I searched and there was nothing. Other than the third pieces of shit scumbags, I couldn't find much more than that. So Peggy Miller was born February 3rd, 1983, and Robert Masters was born December 22nd, 1973. Okay, so this whole next section, it, it's definitely going to be a few minutes long. Some serious trigger warnings. Um, this is what they did to her at the apartment. I, I, I mean, the things that they did, they're so twisted and bizarre and sickening. It's just, it's really unsettling to hear. So if you went, don't care to listen to that, I would definitely skip ahead probably at least three to maybe five minutes. Um, okay. So once Jennifer was in the apartment, she was attacked and beaten with a towel rack a vacuum cleaner hose, a crutch, and a crutch for a day and a half. So a towel rack, a vacuum cleaner hose, and a crutch. They forced her to drink and consume feces, urine, detergent, cooking oil, 
medicine, spices, and nail polish. She was handcuffed with Christmas ornaments, her head was shaved, and her face was painted with nail polish. The group then um, raided her purse, stealing her money, a gift card, a, her cell phone, and then they poured fluids into her purse to damage anything else that was inside. They were hitting her on the head with filled lemonade soda bottles. Um, they were pouring fluids and spices over her. Amber stated that her and Angela um, alternated hitting Jennifer with a metal towel rack and crutches. She also stated that Knight stripped Jennifer naked, gagged her, and raped her. Melvin Knight then led Jennifer into the living room where Angela poured a water bottle over her head and Knight and Ricky dumped oatmeal and more spices on her. Jennifer begged them to stop because her eyes were burning, and he told her she needed to take a shower because she smelled bad. What? Like, what? Who? It's almost like they walked around the apartment and just found any type of household item that they could use on her, that they could hurt her with. Um, And they did. I mean, it is truly sickening how I don't even understand how you, how somebody can find even one person to agree to commit a crime like this. But to find six people who all agree to murder somebody, that is insane to me. How do you meet six people that all think it's okay? to do something like this. Um, Jennifer was then given, given sleeping, sleeping pills and antibiotics, and she begged to be allowed to return home. They forced her to write a fake suicide note uh, before tying her up in Christmas decorations, and then they took her into the bathroom. Melvin Knight said on a police recording, Ricky went and got a knife and told me to stab her. I hesitated a bit, and then I stabbed her in the chest three times. However, Jennifer didn't die at the moment, and Smearn said, Dang, this bitch is still alive, so Knight stabbed her again. Uh, they then, I, I believe they slit her wrists. They were choking her. This is all after she'd been stabbed, so she's on the brink of death. Um, but since it's not happen happening quickly for them, they just continue to do more things to her. Um, it's just so fucked up. There's no words. There really isn't. They put her body in a trash can and took her to the Greensburg-Salem Middle School's parking lot and dumped her there. Several witnesses claimed Marinucci planned to kill Jennifer several days before the others began their planning. They testified that Marinucci overheard her boyfriend, Ricky Smearns, calling Jennifer and telling her that he loved her and wanted to marry her. During Smearns' um, Ricky's testimony, he told jurors about the love triangle be between Doherty, Marinucci, and himself. On February 11th, worker Daniel Grant discovered the garbage can lodged underneath his truck, which was parked at the middle school that morning. Inside, he found what he believed was a body. I knew it was a person, he told jurors. Jennifer's body was 
in a deplorable state. With her head shaved and fingernail polish, polish smeared all over her face, her head was also covered in plastic, her hands were bound in Christmas lights, her feet were bound with holiday garland, and Christmas lights and pajamas were tied around her neck. The pajamas were so saturated in blood, the original clo uh, clothing color was not visible. I saw initially that they it said that they traced that trash can back to that apartment because um, I couldn't find a lot of like how they caught these guys. Um, but City of Greensburg Police Detective Jerry Vernell testified he and other officers responded to 428 North Pennsylvania Avenue around 4.30 p.m. on February 11th regarding the homicide. And he saw Ricky Smearns walking towards the house. Vernell told jurors Smearns walked up to him and said, Detective Vernell, what's going on? Vernell said they were investigating a missing person and asked Smearns if he knew Doherty. Smearns reportedly, reportedly replied that he did know her but hadn't seen her for several days. Vernell also testified that Smearns told him he had been staying at the home but did not sleep there the night before. Fucking liar. Uh, this is a quote from the um, the downstairs neighbor. Uh, the neighbor's the upstairs neighbor would often yell and fight, but Wednesday night seemed worse. I heard a girl scream, like someone was beating her, body slamming her on the floor. And that was Flora Heaton. More disturbing, she said, was the eerie quiet that followed. Night Smearns, Masters, Miller, and Mettinger, and Marinucci were all charged with homicide, kidnapping, aggravated assault, and conspiracy. So the start of the trials were on November 3rd, 2010, and the prosecution was seeking the death penalty for Smearns, Knight, and Mettinger. However, as of August 1st, 2019, Knight and Smearns are the only convicts on death row. Melvin Knight was sentenced to the death penalty after he pleaded guilty in 2012. Knight's death penalty sentence was vacated in 2016. His lawyer tried to prove that Knight was severely impaired, but the jury then sentenced him to the same exact um, sentence, the death penalty, for the second time. Ricky Smearns in 2013 was also found guilty of first-degree murder and um, many other um, uh, convictions as well and sentenced to the death penalty. Angela Marinucci on August 3rd, 2011 was given a mandatory life sentence without the possibility of parole after being found guilty of first-degree murder. Since she was 17 at the time of the crime, she was ineligible for the death penalty. I don't really know how I feel about the death penalty, honestly. Um, on one hand, I kind of just feel like, um, should you be allowed to be here after you take innocent people's lives? And then on the other hand, I feel like you should suffer the rest of your life in, in prison and never be able to do a lot of things again. 
But then I also realized that they get fed every day, television, you know what I mean? So it's a really hard decision for a lot of people, actually, whether they believe in the death penalty or not. But I do think at the age of 17, even though you're not considered an adult, you're old enough to know right from wrong. And the things that Angela Marinucci did planned you know, she was knew that she was going to do this. I, I think she should be treated as an adult. Amber Mettinger on December 4th, 2013, was sentenced to 40 to 80 years in prison after pleading guilty to third degree murder, kidnapping, and conspiracy. Robert Masters um, on December 19th, 2013, was sentenced to 20 to 40 years for third degree murder. 7 to 20 years for conspiracy to commit murder, and 3 to 10 years for conspiracy to commit kidnapping, which totaled 30 to 70 years. And then Peggy Miller was also sentenced to 20 to 40 years for third-degree murder, plus um, 12 to 24 years for conspiracy to commit murder, and 3 to 10 years for conspiracy to commit kidnapping, totaling 34 to 74 years. So they definitely got what they deserved. Um, Such a sick group of people. Um, I'm just, I mean, this all happened really quickly. They didn't even have to really search for, you know, for these suspects. So, and I also read an article that said, you know, after they each testified and admitted to their guilt, once the police got into that apartment to to search their crime scene, everything was right there for them. They didn't discard anything other than Jennifer's body, which was also found. So it was, I mean, there there was nothing that they could do to try to plead any other way but guilty. Um, and they're all pieces of shit. They're all exactly where they belong. I don't care what you try to claim that your, um, defendant was, um, impaired, whatever it was. He murdered somebody like cold blooded murder. The judge said it was one of the worst crimes she'd ever witnessed in all the years that she'd been a judge. So that's how disturbing it was for these men and women to sit and listen to these stories. Like even people on the police force, 11 years on the police force, and they'd never seen a crime like this. So I'm just going to tell you some quotes to end it here um, from Jennifer's family, from her mother, from her sister. People tell me that I have to forgive to move on, but how do you forgive someone for torturing and murdering your child? I just don't know how that's possible. Denise Murphy. I think focus I think focus more on forgiving ourselves. We're just happy to know this is the final sentencing. We are just happy to move forward. Joy Burkholder, which was her sister. Our family was fortunate to be surrounded throughout this this by great people from the district attorney's office police, victim services. 
They made sure we were not forgotten, and it was comforting knowing after what happened to Jennifer that there was still kindness in the world. Again, uh, Joy Burkholder. She always wanted to be part of the group, no matter what that group was. She saw the best in everyone. If someone was mean, she thought that they were having a bad day, and she would have been nicer to try to make them happy. Joyce Burkholder. I wanted to end it on that one because I feel like we could all take a take that advice. People do have bad days. Um, it's not your fault, but instead of maybe being mean back to them, try to be like more like Jennifer and and show them some kindness. And, and it really could turn somebody's day completely around. Uh, but thank you for joining me for this week's episode. Um, you can find me on Facebook at True Crimes Untold Podcast, at Instagram at the same handle, True Crimes Untold Podcast. And of course, I'm on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. So do not forget to hit the follow button and you will get weekly notifications for new episodes. Thanks and have a good night.